The Vikings' first game of 2022 is just days away. We're breaking down their trip out to Vegas and plenty more. And it's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with Superior Sports Talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. That's Care 11's very own Reggie Wilson with me riding shotgun. So life is good. Hump day, Reg. How you feeling? Feeling good, man. You know, I'd be feeling a little bit better if the Twins could do something against those Dodgers. Just save it, save it, because the dream team is back again. We got a good one lined up, breaking down the Vikings and their trip to Vegas for the first game of 2022. Plus, yeah, talking some Twinkies and their rough trip out to the West Coast. And later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button there and on Twitter. Smash that follow button at Lockdown. M-I-N. To football we go. 28 days. Week one of the NFL season kicks off. The Vikings had the day off yesterday from camp. They'll resume practice today and start a stretch of three in a row before packing their bags, heading out west for their first preseason game versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Rich, I want to preview this game for a minute here and what you expect to see from Coach O'Connell as far as his game plan goes. Like, we already know he doesn't like it when fans tweet out the offensive plays from practice. So I can't <laughs> imagine he'll do a deep dive in his full book of tricks in his first preseason game. But when it comes to the players, just how much run do you expect the starters to get Sunday when it comes to their first chance to line up against another opponent? You know, um, it could go a couple different ways. So, like, he hasn't gotten a chance to really get his guys going. You know, I mean, camp is one thing, but against live, you know, competition from another team is different. You know, so he may want to get them in there for a little bit of time, maybe a quarter or something like that. But I, honestly, I probably see him doing maybe like one or two, maybe three series at best and then getting those guys out of there so they can stay healthy and, you know, continuing to go back to the lab and practice and work on stuff. Yeah, it was interesting. You heard Aaron Rodgers talk about, he actually thinks there's more value to be had in those practices versus the preseason games. And I look back mm. on what the Rams did when KOC was there, and Sean McVay never, hardly ever anyways, played any of his starters, not just in the first preseason game, but nearly all of the preseason. In fact, he would even pull some of the second team pretty early as well. So mm. I think it's wise to start preparing yourself for much of the same and get ready for heavy dose of the backups and third stringers come Sunday if we're just going off of what we've learned with KOC's time in L.A. And it makes sense too, right? Like one of the things that the Rams were the best at in the league the last few years was staying healthy. One of the top teams when it came to limiting injuries and staying healthy. And certainly a portion of that can be related to keeping your starters fresh and off the field in meaningless games like the preseason. So yeah, you're right. 
Probably no Kirk, no Cook, no JJ, probably no Thielen. I remember last year the Rams benched like their top 30, even 35 players in the preseason. So don't be shocked when that happens this time. So Reg, knowing that, which backup or even third stringer, I know you've been out to Viking training camp a few times, you got to watch these guys, which backup or third stringer are you most excited to see and learn about Sunday, knowing they're going to get a huge opportunity and the lion's share of snaps versus the Raiders? Like, who's caught your eye or intrigued you thus far but as a backup you didn't see enough of what you wanted to see and now they get the bulk of the reps out in that live game action to me it starts with one guy and that's Kellen Mond like get him mm -hmm. out there let him see what he can do and and just kind of let him get some of those game reps you know last year um when it came to his game readiness Mike Zimmer didn't think he was ready enough to even play him when when Kirk was not out there. You know, that that game against Green Bay was brutal when Kirk was out with COVID. And, you know, fans were like, okay, like we've seen enough of Sean Mannion. How about just put the young guy in and let him see what he can do? He put him in there for like a play and then took him out again. It was just like, oh, okay, well, guess he really doesn't, you know, think a whole lot of this guy. And he kind of said as much which not really sure how good that was for Kellen Mond's confidence to hear his head coach not necessarily trash him, but not necessarily give him the, the biggest vote of confidence either. And so I think he's had some reps in camp. Get him some live reps out there in Vegas and allow him to really just kind of feel his way around the playbook, feel his way around the, the field, and, and really kind of figure some things out. So they could just kind of see what they have in him. There's potential there, but he's very raw. He's green. And now you're talking about him changing systems uh, in only his second year. So that's always tough for quarterbacks development as well. So get him out there. Let him play. Let him feel his way around and see what he ha see what he can do. Yeah, nothing more important than the quarterback position. So Kellen Mond, definitely a great pick there. Yeah, I'm really excited to see Brian Asamoah because it's one mm. thing to see these guys fly around in practice, but some guys' skill sets and the way they win, the way they play the game, was meant to be showcased on game day. And when you watch Asamoah coming out of Oklahoma and the way he flies around the ball with that sideline-to-sideline mm -hmm. -side speed, I'm excited to see him finally take the, uh, you know, the training wheels off, if you will, and turn on the real burners that made him so special in college. I know like mm -hmm. a lot of rookies, this will be his first real NFL type of game and the hype, the excitement, the energy is going to be on full display. And with a guy like Asamoah, that's going to translate to speed and flying around and making plays. So he's a guy I want to see. And another young guy in the front seven is Patrick Jones, third round pick last year starting to apparently really make some noise in training camp and turn some heads. So we still really don't know a ton about him. I'm excited to watch him up close and personal for the first time against a real opponent and see how much better he's gotten and really where he's at right now as far as just a legitimate rotational guy or still in that backup role learning in this new system and a whole new position entirely. One more here. Who's got the most pressure on them going into this game to really go out and prove the doubters wrong here and to start to rewrite the story on who they are on this team? You know, I really don't know if a player necessarily has like all. I think maybe some of the fringe players, some of the guys who are fighting for a roster spot, mm -hmm. obviously they have a lot to prove and they have a lot that they can show in a preseason game like this to, to like – 
impress that coaching staff. But honestly, you know, when it comes to like the starter guys or the the you know first team, second team guys, like you know, maybe they're jockeying for position, if you will. But like, I don't know if there's a whole lot of pressure to be shown in this first preseason game, just because like you know, it's it's. It's probably going to be vanilla, you know. KLC is probably not going to try to, you know, put his best wrinkles out there for the the second, third, fourth team guys to, you know, just kind of showcase his offense for the league to to do some work on, uh, to, to study up on. So I think it's going to be pretty vanilla. I think what you want to see is just the young guys getting out there and and really just flying around, playing fast, playing smart. And, and really just kind of impressing this coaching staff and making things hard on them when it's time for roster cuts moving forward. No, you're right. We just don't know how much, if any, these first team guys are going to play, let alone second team. But I don't think anybody, if you're going to make me pick one, has more pressure than Garrett Bradbury. We already pointed out, though, again, the large majority of starters probably won't suit up. But I'll be disappointed if Bradbury isn't out there for, you know, just a drive or two, a couple snaps, if nothing else. Because I think more than anything, he needs to prove to himself he belongs in the league. He needs this confidence booster in a big way these guys you know check the paper they check their twitter just like everyone else and he hears the noise that his job might be on the line so getting him out there maybe against a backup nose tackle or d lineman it could be a nice way to help him find his footing again and start to build his confidence back up one more guy that has to be mentioned you already brought him up earlier kellen mond back and forth mm -hmm. with sean Mannion with that second team he'll have a nice drive lead him down the field in practice couple big throws and then the very next series, it seems like he'll bobble the exchange or have a turnover. Just still wildly mm. inconsistent. And you can tell in his mechanics, he still looks a little robotic or stiff at times. Maybe second-guessing himself. And that's really, though, at the end of the day, all on schedule for exactly what you'd expect from a second-year quarterback. Still going through those progressions. But the only way to learn and develop is getting out on the field and getting those valuable reps in. So Kellen Mond definitely has some pressure on him to keep showing signs of improvement, if nothing else. But the fact mm -hmm. that the Vikes, they don't have a fourth quarterback like a lot of teams tend to have at camp, and we know that we're not going to see much of Cousins, this is a huge opportunity for Mond to soak up a lot of real playing time and grow as a quarterback in this new system in his second year. So I hope he takes you know full advantage of that opportunity come Sunday versus the Raiders. Hey, real quick. It wasn't long ago the NFL had four preseason games, and then they bump mm -hmm. it down to three and add that 17th regular season game. It feels like only a matter of time until they go down to two preseason games and ultimately, eventually, maybe even add another regular season game to the schedule. Would you agree with that assessment? If so, just how long do you think until we might see something like that? Like, What's your take on some of these preseason games just in general? Yeah, it's been, you know, kicked around for a long time that um, they want to extend the season. I think some of the players have kind of resisted because it's just like, well, y'all don't have to put your bodies through what we have to on a week to week basis. And so, you know, let us let us rest like the 16 was fine. And you're like, OK, they added a game. OK, the 17 is fine. Now you want to talk about 18 like. It's 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 a very barbaric sport and players, you know, players complain about when they have to go from a Sunday night to a Thursday night, just what it takes to to get the body back recovered 
to be able to go out there and, and produce on a high level. And now you talk about adding another game. And I think that's one thing that I think the NFL should consider more of. I understand that the game is entertaining and we just can't get enough of football and all that stuff. But this is also a case of these being human beings that are basically having car wrecks on a week-to-week basis, snap-to-snap basis. And you're just like, okay, for their own health and safety from that standpoint, like we've had some interesting, you know, deaths over the last few uh, few years and and really like, you know, this this offseason as well, when you talk about like Demarius Thomas, Marion Barber, and and you know, examining those players' brains and things like that, and and the CTE that is being found in these players' brain as they get donated to science each and every year. And I think you're just like, okay, like maybe something's gonna click eventually but it's just like football is is making the nfl so much money like they're making money hand over fist and so they're finding trying to find any and every way that they can to make more money and more money and more money which means more games more games lead to more revenue and there it it seems like they're probably going to try to find a way to maybe bring that preseason schedule down to maybe two games or, you know, maybe it's just one game and, and it's just mostly um, mostly practice and training camp. You know, in that COVID year in 2020, they didn't have any preseason games and it was just like, we can manage without it. And so I think that that kind of does a disservice to some of the fringe guys because they really need those preseason games to kind of get their feet set under them and to really kind of just get themselves acclimated to the NFL game and the speed of it and, and really kind of, you know, get comfortable in it. And so that, that does them a disservice, but at the same time, from a health and safety standpoint, they have to really be careful with this because the more games they add, the more potential they have for injuries. And, and like, this is something small, but, the the Rams played in that Super Bowl game. Odell Beckham Jr. had been playing really well up until that point. All of a sudden, the knee, the leg just gave out. That was it. It had mm-hmm. enough of the route running. He tore his ACL again. And, you know, that game was a war of attrition. If they had another game after that, I don't know if Joe Burrow could have played because he had mm-hmm. a, a, a knee injury that, you know, was not – <laughs> was not good. He basically got folded like a chair by Aaron Donald. And so those are the type of things that you look at as the the season goes along. You know, when, when there's attrition, when there's fatigue in the body, injuries happen more. And when you start to elongate the, the season, then you're talking about more injuries. Then you're talking about the, the overall health of some of these players. And that has to be considered when you talk about shortening the preseason and adding games to the season. Yeah, a lot of great points there. Vikings fans always remember 2009 with Brett Favre. They lose that game, said, well, if we would have beat the Saints, we were going to go on. We were the better team and beat the Colts. I'm not sure Brett Favre would have even been able to play that game after what happened in that Saints game with Bounty Gate. Just the wear and tear that his body took, even with an extra week of rest. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. what kind of shape. Brett Favre would have been in for that Super Bowl. But you're right. It all boils down to the owners don't like these preseason games because it doesn't make them any money. Players don't like them for a variety of reasons, like the possibility of getting hurt before your season even starts. 
you're in a contract mm-hmm. year and boom, there goes your payday, not to mention the long-term grind on your body. So nobody mm-hmm. really wants these things around anymore. That's for sure. A lot of good points there by Reg. Vikes still 40 to one to win the chip. Great value out there to be had. And you can find it all on Bet Online. Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs, stats, news, and info. Bet Online makes betting easy. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net, where the game starts. Vikes resume practice today. They put the pads back on for the next two days, then a non-padded practice Friday. I expect that to be more of a walkthrough before they get on a plane Saturday to head to Vegas for the game versus the Raiders, kicking off at 3.25 p.m. Central Standard Time when the Vikings 2022 season officially begins. Get some debate going. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 28 days until week one of the NFL season. Rest assured, Reggie and I got you covered every step of the way, every day on Locked On Sports Minnesota. All right, to baseball we go. Twins out on the West Coast for five in Cali. Two versus the Dodgers, three versus the Angels. Last night, Joe Ryan versus Julio Arreas. And Dodgers came into the game with an eight-game winning streak. They left with a nine-game winning streak, Reg. Tied up 1-1 in the second. And then things got out of hand quickly for Ryan and the Twins. Found themselves down 6-1 to one by the fourth inning. They lose final score 10-3. to three. Joe Ryan allows nine hits, six runs, and five earned. Never really got going, it felt like. Meanwhile, you head into the series saying, hey, okay, we're catching a break here. No Clayton Kershaw. He's out of action, but it turns out Julio Arreas is just as good. Pitched lights out. Seven innings, one earned run, eight Ks. Who's kidding who, Reg? I mean, this is the best team in baseball right now, hands down, 76-33 and record, best in the bigs. I'm not sure many really expected much here from the Twins in this one, but... Still can't hide the fact Twins do not own sole possession of first place in the Central now for the first time since April 23rd. So where's the panic meter at right now when you take everything into the equation? I think the panic meter is high. You know, I was looking at the standings this morning and I'm just like, oh my goodness. How did it doesn't feel do right. It, no, like it, it doesn't. With, with all that the Twins have done this year and as good as they've looked at times, they should be running away with this division. Mm-hmm. But now they're in a dogfight. And as we said yesterday, now is going to be the time for them to prove their mettle, to prove what they have, and, and really try to, you know, grind it out down the stretch to really, I guess you can't say keep the lead. The lead is is now, you know, gone. They're 57 and 52. Also, Cleveland is 57 and 52. So it's just like, mm. there it is. It's 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 done. And so, look, I don't know what you expect from the Twins in this Dodgers series. Maybe you hope they can sneak one. But the Dodgers just swept the Padres. The Padres just traded for Juan Soto, Josh Bell. Like, those guys that are hoping to like bulk that team up and make them a a contender for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are just like, yeah, you don't have what we have. Juan Soto, that's cute, but sweet. We got the broom. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, well, if they're doing that to the Padres, like what are we supposed to do? And what I think you hope for is, you know, the twins have shown some competitiveness against some of the better teams in baseball. We've talked about that before. The Dodgers are a different beast, man. They are not just a World Series contender. They are a World Series favorite. You know, I think when you look at them, it's like them being on a collision course with like the Yankees or something like that for the World Series. And then 
maybe them being able to duke it out against the, I mean, the Yankees have a lot of talent as well. And the Twins have been able to compete against the Yankees this season. But it's a different beast, man. Like, you look up and down that Dodgers lineup, and you're just like, dang, man, we don't get a break. I mean, you got Max Muncy hitting home runs off Joe Ryan last night, and you're just like, what are we supposed to do with that? Like, what's going on? And when the Twins bats don't show up the way that they're supposed to, and, and then, you know, you got the pitching struggling, that's just a recipe for a, a disaster coming down this stretch. And you got all these games left against Chicago, all these games left against Cleveland. And if you're a Twins fan, you're you're a little scared. You know, it's it's some it's some tight booty cheeks right now. Like it's 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 go time. And I don't know how confident you are in what the Twins are able to do based on what you've seen over the last like month and a half, two months that really gives you confidence that they can be consistent enough to make the the decisions that they need to make and make the adjustments that need to be made to keep a lead in this division and and get into the postseason. It's it's scary hours right now. And I don't know what's going to happen because they've made these moves which fans were clamoring for. They bring in Mally, they bring in Lopez, Fulmer. They get some help in that regard. But they also need the bats to do what the bats are capable of and what we've seen the bats do several times this season, and that's rake. And if they can't do that on, on a consistent basis, good luck. That's what's so tough about it. It's like, okay, we're not winning as many games as we should be, but like, what's the problem? It's hard to pinpoint. I keep going back to timely hitting. Too many runners left on base, too many runners left in scoring position, too many times you have an opportunity in the seventh or eighth to get the lead or go ahead and they just come up short. What's your confidence level though right now in pitcher Joe Ryan? Because he comes out against some average or bad teams, and he looks like the man. He Bright future ahead of him, top of the rotation guy. And then he comes out against these really good teams, a chance for him to prove himself a little bit more, good litmus test. And versus the Padres, he lets up four home runs two weekends ago. Now versus the Dodgers, he gets worked. If the Twins made the playoffs, like how confident are you if he's pitching game one versus another really good team? Or do you think that Tyler Melee or Sonny Gray should be the guy in that do-or-die scenario? Like your quick evaluation on what's going on with Joe Ryan right now and what's realistic to expect out of him? So, I still think Joe Ryan is the guy. Like, I, I still mm -hmm. think that he is the man. I think, and this is just my theory, I don't know for sure, but I think he's getting himself psyched up a little bit too much for some of these games. Mm -hmm. Honestly, people kind of forget, or maybe they don't, but Joe Ryan is is still kind of feeling his way around this thing. Like, right. he's still a really young guy. And he's taking his lumps, you know, going against I, – I would hope that the lumps that he's taking, he's really kind of taking these things on and, and really learning from them because this is something that is, is tough for any young guy. You know, you face some of these better teams in baseball and maybe he's psyching himself up a little bit too much, putting a little too much pressure on himself to be perfect instead of going out there and pitching and being the guy that – we know that he can be, which is a lights-out starter. You know, his stuff always looks pretty good, but sometimes he kind of leaves things over the plate a little bit more. 
you know, and and, and he just kind of gets hit a little bit more than than you would expect. I still think that he can be productive. They just need to continue to work with him, continue to let him pitch his way out of this, pitch his way through things. And look, there's a good reason why you have a guy like Sonny Gray who's been there, done that. He's pitched against some of the best teams in some of the best years of baseball. And so when you need a reprieve, when you need to give Joe maybe a little bit of a respite, it's good to have a guy like Sonny Gray out there who can do what he does. You talk about a guy like Tyler Malley. He has pitched in meaningful games over the last few years with the Reds, with the Reds being in contention. You know, the Reds in the 2020 season, they made the postseason. Last year, they were fighting for a postseason. They didn't make it. But, you know, coming down the stretch in September, you know, they were still in it. They were still trying to vie for a playoff spot. So a guy like Tyler Malley has been there, done that, you know, like, these are two guys that are good, like insurance policies, and also some guys that Joe Ryan can learn from, that he can kind of take an attitude from because they have been there. They have done that. And I think that it's going to be nothing but a help to Joe Ryan coming down the stretch. Like, he's going to have to learn from these games, and he's going to have to learn fast because the games are only going to get more meaningful after this. You know, I talked about all these games left against Chicago and against Cleveland. Like, he's got to bring it. I do believe that he is a guy who can do it. But it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough sledding. And we're going to get a chance to see what Joe Ryan is really made of as he really kind of continues to feel his way around this thing. Because like we said, he's still a young guy. Joe, if you're out there watching, listening, I know you're a huge fan of the show. Before your next start, I want you to stop, collect your breath, visualize mm -hmm. the performance that you want out there on the mound tonight, and open up a Built Bar. Built Bar, made with collagen protein, easily digestible, okay. provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. Yeah, another one with the Dodgers, another late one. First pitch, not until 9, 10 p.m. This is wild. Sonny Gray on the mound. Again, Twins lose their first place lead with the Guardians, winning three in a row. And as you said, those tight butt cheeks. Ron Johnson loves his face. That sphincter. <laughs> is getting tight, Reggie, because the pressure's mm. on. Crunch time's coming, man. It just got real for the Twins, who haven't seen their name not in first place in 123 days of baseball. That's just absolutely wild. All right, the time has come. My favorite segment's here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports with what does it mean. First up, ESPN's latest article breaks down all 30 MLB teams and their farm systems now that the trade deadline has come and gone. After wheeling and dealing, for Michael Fulmer, Tyler Malley, Jorge Lopez. The Twins now rank 20th on the list. Meanwhile, division rivals like Cleveland rank second in the league, while the Chicago White Sox rank all the way at 29th. What does it mean mm. when it comes to the long-term outlook for the AL Central division when looking at each team's farm system and the current state they're in? I think you feel good if you're a Twins fan, especially looking at the fact that they got some premium talent last week at the end of the trade deadline and didn't have to give up guys that they really, you know, saw a huge future with. And I think that, you know, 20th, that's, 
that's modest. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not the best, but it, it it'll do. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I and think they didn't touch any that... of their top five guys either. So that was exactly. huge. I thought. I'm surprised they're not exactly. hired. To be honest. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, that 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 makes a lot of sense. But you know, you 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 talk about them adding Tyler Malley. You know, they mm -hmm. gave up Christian Encarnacion, Strand, and uh, Stephen Hajar, Spencer Steer. Like they gave up some guys. Like mm -hmm. so that it's tough to part with those guys. But you know, you got to spend money to make money. You know what I mean? And they got some of their best guys that are already contributing that, you know, you talk about coming from the farm system, you know, Jose Miranda, Joe Ryan, Gilberto Celestino, you know, Royce Lewis. Sad to see, you know, that he's gone through his second uh, reconstructive knee surgery, but like he's a hot prospect that they were hoping to to bring up. Like he's the future, you know, they, they have some guys, Duran, He's come up and he's pitching lights out. They have some guys that they can invest in in the future, and I think that's exciting when you <laughs> – to steal from the Vikings, they they kind of have like a competitive rebuild going. But like you said, if they didn't have to touch their top five guys to get some of the quality guys that they got last week at the trade deadline, you're in good shape. And I think you, you feel pretty good about the Twins' future. You just got to kind of get those guys going – get them acclimated to the pro game and see what they can do, see how they can contribute to the team. But, you know, you're before the Royce Lewis injury, you're talking about, wow, do we keep Carlos Correa or is it right. Royce Lewis season? You know, they draft uh, Brooks Lee. Obviously, we probably won't see him in the bigs for maybe four or five years, but they're really high on him and he's a shortstop. You know, they have some really good prospects coming through the farm system. It's just a matter of can they develop those guys and get those guys going. And, you know, if you got the the White Sox, what would you say, 29th? I'm looking 29th, at the Tigers. They're bro. 24th. Jeez. You know, 29th the White Sox are. You're, you're talking about possibly long-term anyway, just trying to compete with the Guardians. And I think you feel pretty good about that as far as like long term, unless the White Sox just continue to go big and take big swings on on some of these bigger name guys. You feel good about your farm system and how that farm system can help the twins stay competitive for years to come over some of these other teams that are in the division. I think about the future and these trades that they made and the biggest win when it came to making those moves was the fact that these guys that you acquired aren't going to be free agents at the end of the season. And it's not just you're renting them for four months. You got them for a year or some of them even two seasons. So I look at mm -hmm. next season's rotation. You get Joe Ryan with another season under his belt, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, Dylan Bundy, and then you get Kenta Maeda back, Chris Paddock back, Tyler Molly under contract for two more seasons as well. So that's a great four or five, even six guys in the rotation that you can start to move around and have some flexibility with, not only just this season, but obviously, again, when you get those guys back in the future, for sure. So, yeah, a lot of excitement for sure. 20th, though, all in all, I thought that was pretty low. Again, not giving up any of their top five guys. I know they gave up a handful of guys. 20th seems still a, a little low, but we'll tackle that one another day. All right, that's a wrap today. Back here tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikes, and plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, 
review and subscribe to the YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.